Ryan Panagos. Is that a Texas Nickelodeon? He's beard? dude with a sash and a beard, and he's really, really cool. I'm, I'm just humming <laughs> Hamilton while you hook up this microphone. Sorry. I'm very excited for Disney+. Plus. Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's pull list for comics, some of them new, on sale July 1st. 2020. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Yeah, uh, we have a humdinger of an episode, if I do say so myself. It is a big old meaty sandwich of delicious, tantalizing, just cheesy, wonderful, gooey goodness known as (laughs) Spider-Verse. Tucker, that sounds a little weird when I say it like that. I yeah, like, I've, 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 it's, it's kind of like stuck in my throat a little bit. I feel like yeah. like it's like a spot. No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Maybe we'll get there. We'll get there. We're going to talk yeah. to editor Nick Lowe about Spider-Verse. Again, it sounds a little weird. We're, we'll talk to him about that in a little yeah. bit. But first things first, we have to hit four new comics that hit digital this week. First up is Hawkeye Freefall number six. This is the wrap up to... I know it's a book that I've loved and you've loved, and it is oh, yeah. friggin' terrific. Uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Otto Schmidt, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And if you need a reason to read this book, Clint shoots a bad guy in the junk with an arrow, and that's how the issue opens. So you know you should be reading this. Uh, like, that is wonderful stuff. Uh, we also see Hawkeye's Sky Cycle, which... Whenever I see Hawkeye Sky Cycle or, or an Avenger riding that thing, it reminds me of the old video game Captain America and the Avengers because they had flying characters and then they had characters that couldn't fly. And they're like, uh, put them on a Sky Cycle. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, that's where my brain goes. Um, it's just, it's so good. And the last few pages of this are so hype that like, it, it's something that's interesting about this series where it like, it, takes characters from point A and leaves them in a very different point B. What is up with Clint at the end of this? What's up with the hood at the end of this? Where do they live in the Marvel universe? Um, I can't wait to find out, man. This is a terrific limited series. Totally. Um, Next up this week, we have Marvel's Spider-Man, The Black Cat Strikes, number five. It's written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Luca Maresca, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I've really enjoyed this series and and the kind of areas that it's choosing to play in, uh, bringing in Hammerhead as kind of the big bad. There's uh, a few sequences in here that feel um, as if they're ripped straight out of the game, which is a high, high compliment. I love the dynamic that Dennis and the team have put together between Spider-Man and the Black Cat. And then also when you get Silver Sable involved, it just gets even more interesting. It, it is so much fun. And I love the way that this limited series wraps up. It has some really, really perfect character beats that it hits. And uh, it, it comes to a close in a way that I really, really loved. Heck yeah. Uh, another wrap-up issue here with Ravencroft number five, written by Frank Thierry. Uh, more, we've talked about it every time we've had an issue, but amazing creature and freako weird designs by artist Angel Anzueta, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by BC's Joe Sabino. Uh, you got Misty Knight and Punisher teaming up. You got Manwolf. We've got a new secret organization, because I was like, I don't... I don't, is this an established organization? Then it's some really intriguing stuff on what happens with this crew. Uh, I'm very interested to see. And then a big ending that actually leads into a whole bunch of stuff that you'll see out of uh, the spider office in due time. Wrapping things up this week, we have one more uh, great finale issue. This is star number five. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Javier Pina with Felipe Andrade, colors by Jesus Abertov and lettering and designed by VCs Clayton Cowles. Look, it's hard to identify special moments as they're happening. It's hard to say, oh, this is going to really have a long-lasting impact. This character is going to be huge. We think over the last 10 years of the introduction of Miles or Kamala Khan or so many different characters that we now think of as massive players in the Marvel Universe – 
in certain ways, I could imagine that, you know, when you're in the middle of that gauntlet of these characters' creations, of their origin stories, whether it's Miles Kamala or any other, it can be hard to know where they're going to end up in the grand scheme of things. But for me, Star, Ripley Ryan, uh, has one of the most promising openings of any character around. I am so excited. I, I will absolutely put a flag in the ground and say Ripley Ryan is going to be a bigger and bigger and bigger character as she matures into the Marvel Universe. There is some awesome art in this issue that I was just totally surprised by, kind of really, really took me off guard, that I loved. And then overall, look, everything we have going on here with Carol, everything we have going on with Scarlet Witch, which was such a cool introduction into this story, and then everything we have going on with Ripley herself. Um, uh, this five-issue limited series is such a cool cauldron to forge this new character, to explore who this character is. All of her very human complications and then all of her incredible superhuman uh, abilities all of that forged in here and then the place where we land it and just allow it to kind of float off to sail off to who knows where who knows who will pick this character up um, or where we'll see her next but I can tell you that whatever that is I am there for it I'm so excited um, what a great character what a great limited series to really herald her introduction to the Marvel Universe hell yeah she rules. She's great. All right, Tucker, we also have a bunch of collections, hardcovers, and trade paperbacks out this week in comic shops. What do we got? We have Dawn of X Volume 6 in trade paperback. Obviously, uh, a must uh, for all mutant heads. Uh, then we also have Excalibur in trade paperback. We have Infinity Gauntlet Marvel Select in hardcover. Marvel Masterworks, The Spectacular Spider-Man Volume 3 in hardcover. Marvel's Black Widow Prelude in trade paperback. Uh, and then this one's really interesting. Timely's Greatest, The Golden Age Submariner by Bill Everett. The post-war years. Uh, uh, then we have what if classic. Uh, hold on, you, yes. you can't you can't just walk past that because <laughs> I knew I knew that Submariner I, reference would get you going. Well, I, I spe- look, Bill Everett, creator of Submariner, these you know Golden Age Submariner stories are awesome. They're awesome. We read a little a couple of them last year during the 80th anniversary. We talked about some of them. If you have the extra scratch to buy this omnibus, it's going to be worth your money. It's really cool. The stories are. They feel like gritty and weird and, and like Namor as this anti-hero is awesome. It's really, really cool. Hey, you know, I was thinking about that same thing. It's 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 so cool to look back at those early Namor issues and stories because it's a character that to me was so fully formed right from the start. Just in all of his like angst and anger, but also sense of like morality in his own unique way so awesome so much good stuff in there we have three more collections on the way this week what if classic the complete collection volume four. Oh yeah um, oh yeah uh x-men milestones messiah war that's a big one and then we also have young avengers by gillen and mckelvey the complete collection trade paperback people love those young avengers so uh that's a, a an excellent place to dive in with that team yeah i'm very excited because uh the bundles that we get in the office are starting to ship again and I should be getting my new comics real soon, including uh, I have a gaping hole ready for that What If Volume 4. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We have to talk about the big Spidey event. I'm not even going to deign to say the name yeah. of it until we talk yeah. to the editor behind the project, Mr. Nicolo. How are you, my friend? Ah, uh, Ryan, I'm doing well. I mean, life is crazy, but I am... A very lucky man. I get to do a job that I love. My family's healthy, uh, and you know, and we're getting a lot of good quality time. Good quality time. But I'm actually very excited to get quality time with you and Tucker as well. Wow, wow. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I want to get to off the top is something very important for the subject we are talking about now. Tucker and I have set this up earlier in the episode, but Nick. How do you pronounce, properly pronounce, the name of the event that we are talking about? Yes. That is a great question. Uh, it is one of the things that I'm very sensitive about because um, this is a, a key part of, of who I am. Uh, it, is pronounced, it, it, it is pronounced Spider-Verse. Now, it, it's not Spider-Verse. It's not Spider-Verse. It is Spider-Verse. Uh, and it's, it's just very important. That's how uh, we intended it, the people who made the books. Uh, that is how Dan Slott and Olivia Coipel, uh, we refuse to have that word be said in any other way. Uh, I'd like to give it a shot. Spider-Verse! 
Very good. Good diction, good tone. Your accent was right on. Tucker? All right. Please. Okay, here we go. Spider Verse. Uh, no, you missed the boat entirely. Oh. You're a little bit closer. You were. It. it almost sounded like you were saying Spider Geddon, which Ooh, is a different okay, event. That's different why. All right, all right, event. all right. Let me let me take that's, let me take it again. Here we go. Right. <clears throat> Spider Verse. There we go. Perfect. Yes. Now we're all on the well same okay. page. We're on the same page. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that is that to me was very important in establishing where we are and how we really get going into talking about honestly one of my favorite events. Uh, Nick and Tucker, you both know the size of a New York City apartment, so space is at a <laughs> premium. I've had to put most of my comics and my trades and stuff in storage, and as I was doing that, I was like, Spider Verse definitely goes on the shelf. It stays in the home <laughs> um, because I love awesome. this story. Me too. But this just goes to prove how the value of Marvel Unlimited because I'm not at home. I'm, I'm down in Texas at my mother-in-law's place. She's wonderful. Um, but I didn't bring anything beyond my reading pile. And so but I Marvel Unlimited coming through for me, giving me this sweet, complete event reading order and everything and getting to soak these in digitally has been such a pleasure to revisit uh, as we were getting ready to talk about this. But I love Spider-Verse. It was the very first spider event that i was involved with when i came on as a spider-man editor when when steve wacker chose to uh, fulfill his manifest destiny and move out west (laughs) and so i came on and this was pretty much waiting for me i wish i could say that i was part of the genesis of this idea i was not uh but you know getting to work on this it was an absolute uh, pleasure and madness fest uh and so i can't wait to talk to everybody about it yeah, well, that, that leads me into one of my first questions, which was how long had you actually been editing Spider-Man when the event kicked off? Well, I, I mean, I, I started editing right when we were launching the volume of Amazing Spider-Man that this is in the middle of. So that, you know, I came in at the end of Superior Spider-Man, the last three or four issues of that. But we were just started working on number one of that new volume. And this start, kicks off with number nine. However, I think I may have sent gotten the plot from Dan Slott for Spider-Verse number one at the same time I got the plot for Amazing Spider-Man number one I think Olivier may have started at the exact same time that Umberto started on Spider-Man number one uh, but so we this was in place and actually you know first thing that I, people might know I can't remember how much people talked about this but this event was actually supposed to come out about a year or two earlier in the run uh, I, I don't think I'm talking out of school here uh, you'll notice in the way that we get into this event uh, that you know in in the in the edge of Spider Verse uh, books the that are part of that Superior Spider Man number thirty two, you get a, a a look into a moment from Superior Spider Man where Doc Ock uh, Superior Spider went in and out of our time stream, and that is where the sweet pocket that this story takes place. It was actually going to happen at that point, but it got pushed because like the Peter Parker of the Marvel universe of 616 was not going to be in the story, which I think both would have been really cool, but also I understand why Dan and, and like, you know, Axel and, and Steve, of course, and the rest of them like, no, let's, let's push this off. Uh, but th- that was originally going to be a, a big part of it. And, uh, but so like Dan, this had been sitting in Dan's head and working with Steve for such a long time. I mean, Dan Slott is a madman, and he's forgotten more about Spider-Man than I that I know about Spider-Man, and I know a fair amount. Uh, but like when we started working on this, he's like, uh, like I want to get every Spider-Man ever. He's like, Steve cleared a bunch of these. Like, can we get any more of these cleared? Like, so he gave me a list basically. Like, he generated a list with Steve and Ellie Pyle, who uh, was the associate editor on this. Uh, this exhaustive list of every Spider-Man ever because he wanted every Spider-Man or woman ever, including some new ones. Uh, and there are some that we couldn't use uh, because of legal uh, legal things from you know interactions with other companies or spider people that were created by other people in that part of the comics uh, that that you know we we teased around to try and find a way to, to have them in and we'll probably talk about that as we go on but it was such being thrown into such the deep end of of the of the spider side of the Marvel universe and the multiverse uh, but yeah it was it was right when I started working on on Spidey stuff so this was a mad mad story to do it with. I, I, I got to say here right at the top, because we're talking about Dan Slott 
and Dan Slott bringing this to the table and those conversations that you were having early on. It is worth mentioning very quickly here that with Empire on the horizon, we don't often get treated to uh, events birthed from the mind of Mr. Slot. Um, mm. So if, you know, this is a, a kind of obvious, like one of the great landmarks of um, the past couple of decades in comics, for my money at least, yeah. um, that uh, you know, it some somehow talking about this like makes me even more excited for Dan Slott. And then when you throw Al Ewing into the mix, I just oh, had God. to mention it. I just yep. had to. It's true. You know, like Dan is such an amazing Spider-Man writer, and he had so many great events. I mean, I love Spider Island. Uh, I love Clone Conspiracy. They're very, and the neat thing about them, they're all so different. They're yeah. all so different. And that was something that he was so passionate about. That being the case, uh, he is such a thoughtful writer uh, about this sort of thing, and you know about what the tone of this book was, and and who was in it, and how we approached it. And it was just, it was insane. I mean, it was a wild ride to to do this book, uh, and it, and I enjoyed just about every step of it, and getting to populate some new spider people, getting to play with some spider people that I loved. Uh, it, it was just a pleasure. And getting to work with, of course, Dan, but also Olivier Coipel, who I'd worked with a couple times before and brief things. Uh, but, you know, one of the greatest artists of all time, uh, Giuseppe Camuncoli, came in and he he did about, you know, a little less than half of it as well. And Giuseppe is a friend and a, and such an incredible artist. I, again, I was rereading some of the issues uh, in preparation for this. And uh, and getting to look at, at at Camo's art on Superior thirty two and thirty three uh, in the in the edge of Spider Verse, uh, it, it was just such a pleasure to see. It's just so incredible. Giuseppe, who you you call Camo, we call Camo, um, is one of my favorite people in comics. He's one of the nicest dudes. One of my earliest memories yep. was when I was still at Wizard, and it was like a Wizard World Texas in like two thousand four or five something like that and i was playing foosball with him and jim lee and another wizard staffer and i mean got destroyed by them of course but camo remembered me from that all like through the years even though i would see him maybe once a year or whatever such a sweet wonderful dude and yep one of the most underrated artists in comics like such a masterful storyteller such a master well you want to hear some crazy stuff ryan i believe if you said that so if that was 2005 if if it was 2005 that was also i was at that convention i remember playing pool with brian hitch steve mcniven and dan didio <laughs> but that was also the convention that that uh, she wasn't at the convention but that was the weekend that i met my wife wow uh, yep and she played pool. More importantly than I, than me playing pool, she played pool against Brian Hitch and Dan DiDio, and I believe won, if I recall. Uh, and uh, so, but like, so like that that convention for me is like pure magic. There's that one. There's a, a Wizard World Chicago in 2002 uh, and 2003. That like there's some magical conventions in my memory, and that's one of them. But yeah, but that's but anyway, Camo is the greatest. He's the sweetest man. If you ever go to Italy, if I bet if you're even just a fan of comics and you and you get to meet him, he'll be like, "No, come, let me show you around my town." Like, <laughs> just he's just <laughs> yeah. the greatest, just the best. <laughs> Olivier is also one of the sweetest pe- human beings in the entire world. And if you ever have a, an experience with with Olivier, I love to have fun with him and like you know Olivia do you have a time for a phone call I, I, I imagine you're just coming home from a discotheque or something like that I don't know why <laughs> I chose that because I think that all French people are always like coming home from a discotheque and he's like Nick I have two children I never go to discotheques like I'm like I'm sure yeah whatever Olivia <laughs> I love that anyway um, but getting to work with them is amazing so so Nick you mentioned that Dan came came to the editorial team and everybody and said I want to have every Spider-Man ever in this story. Was that like the impetus for this entire idea? Was it just like how can we tell a story where we can, you know, weave all of these disparate spider people um from so many universes into one and pull it all together? Is that like the kind of elevator pitch behind it? Oh, I, I I mean, as I recall from talking to Dan about it, and he'll be able to tell the story better, but I believe Dan worked on a video game called, I think it was Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. Shattered Dimensions, and he did yeah. some And he did some writing for that. And I think this the idea for this was born there, so that when he came on Spider-Man, 
uh, Amazing Spider-Man. He was part of the thrice monthly or thrice weekly, the three times a month uh, Amazing Spider-Man team. And then he came out as solo writer for Big Time when it was just twice a month. Right. And uh, and I believe this was one of the stories that he kind of put on the docket for here are some of the big kind of big stories that I want to tell over this run. I mean, this all came out of Dan. Like, I wish uh, any of us in editorial could take any credit for like the genesis of this idea. Uh, but this is just one of one of Dan's babies. And he had so much of it so vividly, uh, you, you know, laid out in his mind, pulling pulling strings from so many different era of Spider-Man stories uh, from like you know classic ones to modern ones. I mean, the inclusion of Morlin. This is you know one of the first times that Morlin was back. I think since the other storyline, which is probably about good you know ten years. Uh, I'm pretty much before this one. Um, you know, one of my favorite villains. One of the you know, but the get breathing this new life into into that character and that whole you know now group of characters was such an interesting thought. Um, it, yeah, it's just it's just incredible. Uh, but yeah, it, it's 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 all Dan. It's all Dan. Like you know, the genesis of this, and then of course the efforts of Steve Wacker, Stephen Wacker, and Ellie Pyle. I mean, I'll tell you one of the things as an editor of this. Like, I don't, I, I cannot remember a story that needed more reference gathering than this story from all kinds of insane places between myself and Ellie and our interns uh, at the time who worked so hard to gather so many materials uh, on this. It's utter madness. <laughs> uh, I was talking to Ellie. Uh, I was telling her we were going to be doing this episode uh, because she's back at Marvel. She's, you know, one of the co-hosts mm -hmm. of Women in Marvel and does a bunch of great things for us. Um, and she's like, ah, Spider-Verse! The story that drove me out of editorial. <laughs> Jokingly. Uh, which is hilarious. So um, sad. I know. Uh, but we're, we've got her back. We're, we're all good. Um, yep. You know, in recent last couple of months we've we've had a lot of these really fun sort of deep dives behind the scenes stories we talked to your arch nemesis tom Prefort about oh, some of his events and the how worst. they i know i know i know I, I i hesitated bringing his name up in a conversation <laughs> with you but here we are uh and he talked about how some of the events morphed and changed over time uh you know particularly when you bring a, um an event to a retreat an editorial retreat and things get bandied about in a room mm -hmm. uh you mentioned the timing as one piece that sort of changed was there anything else that you can remember that changed as as this developed and matured that was the biggest thing in the retreat room uh, i mean I remember times in retreat rooms because this, like, you know, when he was talking about this retreats was pretty much before I was in the Spidey office. But I do remember, you know, he'd bring it up and people would throw out like, you know, oh, you could use this spider character. He's like, I already got him right there. Like they're in the list. They're out. like, like he already knew every one of them. Like they, he and Steve and Ellie had already gathered this exhaustive list. But the biggest note was like, move it. So it's when Peter is back as Spider-Man. Like that's what we got to be. But they figured out that super clever so such comic book fun way to get make sure superior could still be in it too uh and the kind of mental gymnastics and it opened the door for so many amazing scenes between uh otto and peter in this story that i love so much and that i'm so glad it happened that way because those wouldn't have been able to be there you know they, they wouldn't have been there and, and, and it ends up being such a huge driver of especially the first half of the story when there are two disparate spider groups um like I just, I just love it. I just love it. Nick, in in addition to the the core seven parts, you know, I'm looking at like generally what we're going to talk about here is the six chapters of the core story, the epilogue. There are a ton of tie-ins and side stories from you know. I, I think it's always interesting. I, I think our listeners also find it interesting that hearing from your perspective, like how do you coordinate that? How do you decide what to put in the main book and what? events we see in other issues great question uh, first of all like again we've talked about ellie many times and ellie like ellie pile was a huge reason why this came out at all uh and is as good as it is and uh and she is and was an amazing editor an amazing mind for story uh and so she helped that i mean as far as it like you know we would just try to focus and try to do our best and make sure that we're hitting as many different points as we could. As far as what shows up in the main series versus tie-ins, uh, you know, what we try to do, what Dan tried to do is drill down to, here's the story I'm trying to tell. You want the main story 
to be able to depict that whole story. And so you're like, here are the stuff we know needs to happen in the main book. And, and, and we know that, and we know we want some tie-ins cause there's all these stories that, that are maybe not completely necessary to that main story, but are still great stories to tell. And, and, and the next step was like, okay, well, we've got these coming out. Here's when they're coming out. Here's what they are. How do we feed into them in an intelligent way? And Dan is, I mean, that's one of the things I loved working about Dan and all these. He's an incredible collaborator and he's an incredibly giving collaborator on that front that he wants to serve all of that stuff. And so, you know, like, especially when you get into the second issue of this, that's where a lot of the tie-ins jump out of. And so he's like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we all worked out like going in, we knew what the basic story was. And then we're like, well, what are some tie-ins that we could do? And, and we'd spitball stuff, Dan would spitball stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll go from here and we got this stuff. And then, you know, he's like, well, we'll, yeah, we'll take that idea. We'll run with that. So he's like, okay, so I can feed it off here and then it can come back in here. And we, and we just try to weave it as we had some idea as of the whole picture going in. And then there were all the little things that would happen on the way. I mean, the, the hardest thing is that, you know, Dan has so many ideas and so much that he wants to do. Uh, it was the, the hardest part would get into the realization that there just wouldn't be time for him to do everything he wanted to do and to let go and let other people do it. Um, and, and I say that hard is hard for him to, to, to sometimes emotionally deal with that because he loves that stuff so much. And, um, but, but he was always very mature about it and very, you know, giving of, of important and cool pieces to, for other creators to, to do, uh, and for us as editors to kind of fill out because there's certain things in here that were Genesis from Dan, some things from, from, uh, from me, from Ellie, uh, from from different creators, like from the throughout the edge of Spider Verse, and uh, and to and, and to all the tie-ins in the in the regular books, and trying to, I mean, the thing you want to make sure is that you get that everyone is being true to themselves in the story that they're telling too. Trying to find the right writers and artists who also want to tell these stories and find their end to where it's meaningful to them personally, and that can be a challenge sometimes. Um, but when you get it right, it's, it's so fun. And the hard part there is that those stories can sometimes change from their Genesis from like when Dan throws out, I mean like spider woman. So Jessica could go do this. And so him saying that and like, you know, she'll call, she could leave here and come back in and this could be basically what she's doing. Well, when you hire Dennis hopeless at that point, and it, like then there's like Dennis trying to wrap his head around that and try to find the parts of that that he likes, but also trying to find the truth in it and the and trying to serve Jessica. Uh, he thinks about that a little bit more thoroughly because it's his job for that book than Dan might have. And so trying to reconcile that stuff is sometimes a challenge. Um, but you know, luckily you're all pulling in the same direction and you're trying to keep people on task and give give freedom, like give some rope, like give some uh, some slack, and then take some slack away at different times. Uh, it, it's it's challenging, but it's also can be so fun. And I think what makes the collaboration for me is what makes it so fun. Like, I mean, there's so many things that, that uh, if it were just on what Dan had come to the table with, we wouldn't have a character like spider, which is, you know, capital S P uh, slash slash lowercase DR uh, that, you know, cause I, I talked to Gerard way and I was like, Gerard, you know, would you want to create, uh, co-create a, like a new spider character or, or take it in? And he just came with that. And that was nothing that Dan thought of, but to Dan's credit, he then took that character and wove her into the story and made sure that she had some meaningful things to do. Uh, and so that kind of thing would happen all the time of, of like, what are people interested in? What am I interested in? What are, what are uh, like, and he would always take it and make it part of it. You know, hey guys, it's Ellie. Hi, Ellie. <laughs> wow, Ellie Pyle, holy mackerel! We were just talking about you. It's like magic. <laughs> Ellie, I told Nick that uh, we were having a conversation about this the other day, and you said that this was the story that drove you away, uh, and and he had a good laugh. Um, what do you remember about <laughs> Spider Verse? Mortified. What do I remember about Spider Verse? Um. <laughs> It, it, we had a great time. Um, I mean, it was it was all of the Spider-Men. And I was joking when I said that all of the Spider-Men were too many Spider-Men for me. Um, but this was a great, this was actually a great last arc to work on before, before I left. Oh, it was such a pleasure. We had so much fun uh, doing it too. Uh, like just trying to come up with these crazy, crazy stories with our crazy people working on the books. Okay, just to clear things up, 
I wasn't aware that this was going to happen. Ellie Pyle just jumped in here to join the conversation. Who uh, Ellie was a, an associate editor on Spider Verse uh, and now works uh, uh, in the new media department. A- a- Ellie, when you think back on Spider Verse, is there a character? Is there one of the spider heroes that comes to mind as like a personal favorite, a personal highlight that you got to uh, to, to, to work on? So, yes, uh, characters that I specifically remember from Spider-Verse. Um, well, this is the arc where we first introduced Silk kind of leading into this. So she obviously is a huge favorite of mine that then went on to have her own series and, you know, really. And that that broke my heart that I had to leave before, you know, we we launched that book. I had gotten to work on about four issues worth of scripts. And then uh, when it finally came out, I read all of them. And then, um, you know, I, I learned a very important lesson about don't tell Robbie Thompson about your your family, <laughs> because he'll make you cry by writing about little brothers who are proud of their sisters. And, you know, it's oh. it's it's no good. It's a trap. <laughs> um, yep. But other stuff from that um that I remember we did some prequel books and um, Clay McLeod Chapman wrote this absolutely oh. horrifying oh. what if what if Peter Parker was a sociopath and yeah it was <laughs> it's such a scary issue and it's my fault and and I, I let him do <laughs> that is. so um, yeah um, we I mean Gwen came out of all of that so that was amazing um, and that was something that Nick may have already talked about this, but we were not intending for Gwen, like not 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 intending, but we were not expecting Gwen to take off the way she did and become just this mm-hmm. absolute phenomena. No, it's it, 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 it's crazy. Like it just started as she was one of these characters, and and then it just took on a life of its own. And that that should that'll probably be a whole podcast of its own because that that'll take me about a half hour to properly tell what happened on that front. Uh, but she just she was so cool in this story and in the edge of of, of Spider-Verse issue that uh, that that led into it. Um, uh, yeah, that Clay McCloud Chapman story, uh, uh, edge of edge of Spider-Verse number four. It, I still think about how horrifying it's it is. so gross. It's I'm looking so at scary. it right now. Oh, yep. gosh. Yeah. No, it. It it just bug th- creatures like crawling out of people. Like I, I should have known what I was getting us into. I I know how Clay writes, oh. and I should have known what was going to happen here. And then I also think of uh, one of the other charming ones that I if if I don't uh, if I recall correctly, there's steampunk uh, Spider Woman that I believe you. Uh, yes, you um, in, that Ellie. is absolutely yep. correct. Um, and that was also something that we worked on with uh with Robbie. Um, yes, Robbie. uh, mm-hmm. La- Lady Spider, which was a title not a name um because she was a victorian um steampunk lady who had you know kind of these these mechanical legs uh that she had built but he pitched her to me as uh lady mary from downton abbey with spider powers and i was like all right sure (laughs) (laughs) so good so good and then, and, and and you brought her from there into Spider-Man 2099, the tie-ins that, that she had being there. Uh, those, those are crazy in and of themselves. Like, I'll tell you one thing. Peter David, who has uh, written some of my, like, pretty much there are three issues of Hulk that are in my top 10 or 15 of the greatest single issues of Marvel Comics of all time. And Peter has been, I've worked with him on three different crossovers, including Spider-Verse, uh, and some X-Men ones like now there's a guy who's been through some crossovers and will do like who just like he knows what he's doing and he operates <laughs> them. And sometimes the point of like you're, you're like, Peter, what about this? He's like, I've done this before. Don't worry. I got this. This will work. And uh, and it's and it's it is a ride. It is a ride. Nick, were you with me at when we had lunch with um, Peter David and Dan Slott? I don't remember where in the you and Steve I think continuum. So. Yeah, it was. I think so. I think it was at Ted's. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, so Nick and I had lunch with Dan Slott and Peter David as we were getting ready for Spider Verse. It's it's earlier in the morning for me, Nick. Yes. I, don't, I don't have those notes right now. Um, but we had lunch with Dan and Peter, and it is 
the closest I will ever get to being in the next gen episode, uh, Darmok and Tanagra, of just like watching Dan and Peter just speak to each other entirely in allusions to other stories. It was amazing. It really was. It was lunch. Like you, I've never been at lunch where I remember like like wanting to just not say anything, but like we had stuff to actually take care of. And it was like, listen guys, like I really hate to stop you guys talking about this. Cause I'm uh, one, uh, the bits that I understand, I think are great. And then there's so much that I don't even understand, but like, can we talk about the, the story that we need to talk about too? <laughs> or, or even just Marvel stories. If we could stay in that lane of references, yeah. <laughs> then we could keep up. Yeah. We're looking forward to talking to Peter David soon about, um, what is it? We're talking about, Death of Gene DeWolf. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is, which is just in time for Sins um, Rising. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like it's all yeah. planned. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing I, w- I was thinking about this, because uh, as we mentioned earlier, Tucker and I have, you know, we talked to Tom Brevoort a bunch. We've been looking at different events and looking at this. Um, this one, unique for some of the ones that we've been looking at because it happens, the main core series happens within the event, or happens within the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. What is the, the decision, like, where where does that land for you guys when you try to decide, okay, do we do a Spider-Verse limited series versus doing it in the pages of our flagship title? I think, and El, you correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, I, I, I think it mainly comes from that was the model that we were following more at the time. That's what you guys did on Spider-Island, uh, and, and it was kind of like the, the, the methodology that they had had in there. Uh, it, it was something that we ended up tweaking for some for clone conspiracy and for various reasons, some of which being story and some of which just being like, you know, like I think we get a bigger, bigger bite of the apple. Uh, but I, I mean, I love that as this aspect of it. And there's a big part of me that that thinks for stuff on this level. And it's something I've, I've tried to do again and again in Spider-Man since because I, I, I having done both, I prefer this method of it being in the inline series uh, better. Um, it, it, I just think it makes it feel more important and it differentiates it from the line wide crossovers, which you kind of need that spine book. Whereas this, like, this is the main thing. It puts the focus where, you know, or a, a big nerd like me or a big nerd like Ellie, I, I, and I don't want to speak for you. Like it makes it, that's being in the run of amazing Spider-Man makes a difference. Yeah, we definitely wanted people to feel like this was not just a part of the main story, but something that the main story had been leading up to and feeding into. Because, I mean, you guys have all talked to Dan. He has two years worth of stories in his head at all times. And so it's it's just a matter of figuring out when you're going to get to them. So, yes, yeah, so it was all very much kind of a this was Dan's plan all along. So, of course, it was going to happen in the main book. You know, we're talking about all these names. We're talking about Dan Slott, Peter David, um, even someone like Robbie Thompson, who I'm I'm a massive fan of. It's so cool to zoom out for me and look at this as a Spider-Man story. It becomes a treatise on Spider-Man and really just down to the core of it, Peter Parker, just as a, a, a figure like uh, of just all of fiction um, and the strength of that uh, and the ability to build such an incredible story like this with so many crazy choices and characters and things that can go so wildly out there, a character with a bag on his head and, uh, you know, down to a million other iterations. Um, and uh, it's fun and funny, but at the same time, it never loses the heart at the the core of it, which is so essential. Um, it's just such a cool thing. And why I mentioned those creators is because it's like, of course it's going to be this good because this is one of the great figures in comics, if not, like I mentioned, stories. Um, so, of course, these incredible writers and artists are going to come to the table. And then I guess where like these kind of neuroses um, hit Pater uh, for the editorial side of things is like, 
I would imagine you guys can't really think that way because you have a job to do as opposed to being like, well, I guess we got to shepherd the greatest character of all time alongside some of the world's best storytellers. And if we don't play at their level, somehow we're messing it up. Um, obviously, you didn't. But um, just on that level of, of uh, I guess, the power of responsibility scale, it's so, so fascinating to me. I mean, that hangs over our heads all the time. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I mean, just so everyone knows, like imposter syndrome is something that everyone feels at almost all times. At least that's, that's, that's my viewpoint on it. Uh, every time I, I all looking back on this, like I, this is a special story and there's so much of this story that I look back on with such pleasure, but I still see like mistakes or ways I could have done things or things that I could have done. Uh, you know, places are like, ah, oh, why'd I do that instead of this? Or like, why we do that? But like, it's just so anyone like listening to this at home, like Dan feels that way about everything. Like Dan Slot, like, you know, second guesses himself at everything to the point of where we're like, I, I mean, Ellie taught me how to, how to work with Dan. And so much of it was like, you know, long phone, phone calls and be like, Dan, you already told you, you already decided what your story was. Just stick to it. It's good. Just stick to it. What you got here is good. Like there are times where I'd be talking to Dan and I'd be like, well, Dan, like, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's what you brought up is interesting, but isn't this better? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, that's such a great idea, Nick. I'm like, that wasn't my idea. I was just reminding you of the outline that you wrote a month ago. Like, I, like they said, none of these are my ideas that I'm telling you. Like, oh, he's like, oh, I guess you're right. Like, just like, but he has so many of them. He does. It just never. <laughs> and, and you have to, you always have to put baby in the corner and, and, and you have to like, be like, no, no, you got it. You're done. You're just trust yourself. And that's, I mean, that's so many writers and that's not Dan. So I like if, if, if you have self doubt and you're out there trying to do something creative or anything in your life, know that everyone feels that self doubt. If you don't, I think there's probably something wrong with you. Um, and, uh, and and embrace that and know that's the case and then turn to the people you trust. And that's something that Dan always did. I mean, Dan would call Marcos Martin in the middle of the night in Spain to talk about story stuff. And even though Marcos like wasn't scheduled to draw anything or, or to work with Dan on anything for the next year or two, like, like, like Marcos is drawing private eye in the middle of the night with, uh, and, and like, uh, well, I think Spider-Man would do this, Dan. And like, <laughs> he had his five people we'd call when, when Ellie or I weren't in the office, he had these people who are on the clock for him to talk to. And it's, you got to trust those people and you've got to have those sounding boards and just in your life that you can trust. That's so cool. That's such a cool note. And I feel like that's something that is entirely worthy of its own, like, entire discussion is simply the relationship between Dan Slott and Marcos Martinez. Oh, yeah. Given the way that, that, given all the work that they did together, and given, I think, especially, like, what really hits at home is that final issue of Amazing Spider-Man, where they came back together to do that one single one-off tale, which is one of the most beautiful Spider-Man stories you'll ever read. Um, Let's uh, talk about that uh, one, because we've got a bunch of so stories cool. that we can tell about that that are delightful in and of themselves, <laughs> uh, and for such a treat. I'm sure. Uh, um, but I... Uh, but getting to see this one in the in the in the madness that is there, and I also want to point out too, as I was looking through the main issues of here, uh, someone who is a huge part of how this story works and and, and fits together that we haven't talked about yet uh, is uh, our our dear colorist Justin Ponzer, who is so sadly no longer with us. Uh, he colored every issue of the main series, and it was through his unending enthusiasm and and hard work. And taking every second, even beyond the seconds that we could give him, that we that we he needed to give him to get it done in time. Uh, <laughs> but like so much of, of to me, the magic that makes this thing work happened in Justin's colors, where he had these characters from these different universes coming together, and he would have these little tricks that he would invent to make it work. Whereas like you know you'd have some characters that was a cartoon character, and he'd make sure that it was colored like in the spirit of that cartoon. Or you had the one from the Japanese manga that was in there, and like he'd made sure. He got the he, like, I, 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 you know, without even asking him and talking to him about it, I know for sure that he spent way too much time looking at manga of that time to find the right dot pattern, the, like, the, the, to, to put <laughs> on it. And, 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 like, you know, and especially when 
Giuseppe Camuncoli came in to help out and you know he and Olivier are both incredible artists but they're very different artists but Justin made it all work Justin was the the glue that visually kept this book together uh, and and did so much incredible work on it too and I just want to make sure we we uh, we talked about that yeah I'm glad you brought that up I, I had a note here like let's celebrate that core team and Justin was such an important part of it um, thank you for that I know how much he meant to um, to everybody on who worked with him um, I want to go back a little bit to the every Spider-Man ever aspect uh, because Nick you mentioned you like Dan would come up with this crazy list of all the spiders in the story uh, for me the th- I, I love so many of them. I mean, Spider-Man is one of my <laughs> favorite things just in in anything in life. And seeing, uh, you know, Spider-Man and, and Leopardon mm-hmm. show up was crazy. So great. But then I, what I like my brain in this reading of the uh, of the event got hooked on was all the spiders who died or we only saw really quickly or saw like in various pieces, like the one on the moon who we meet at the very beginning or the wolf one where we only see when Karn is killing him. It's like, I, were those part of the big list or is that just like additional stuff? The the one on the moon was new. And, and I think if reading through it, yep. Like that, that what made this one different like 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 neil armstrong was president of this world if i recall i don't even think we dwelled on that like it's just the armstrong park <laughs> part of it that's that's there like the moon like it was just such a f- weird dance lot idea uh because olivier wanted to draw classic spider-man for at least a few pages so that was like part of that was because of what olivier wanted to draw so getting jonah yelling like the classic jonah peter motif and him him jumping off you know swinging off into the night um, but yeah, but almost all of those, uh, you know, th- were, you know, like Wolf Spider-Man, Werewolf Spider-Man, and like there's like a little monkey Spider-Man that, that was in there that dies uh, when, uh, when I think Deimos just kills him in, in, in issue two of it. And, but all, I mean, like if you look through the, the edge of Spider-Verse issues, like you get like, some of them were just suits. And then we, we kind of made separate characters. Like there was the House of M Spider-Man. That, I mean, that's an actual different Spider-Man. But there was like the Civil War, the Iron Spider suit one. Like that was not a different universe. That was, but we're like, but it's so cool. We got to have it somewhere. You know what I mean? Like the, and, and but like there are very, we made up some Spider-People, but not many. And that was some, on the a wise thing that, that Dan had said is like, you know, like, listen, we're going to create some for sure. But let's remember, we have a list of hundreds of Spider-People that have shown up in different stories along the years. And we should, we should really rest on them more than anything else because the, like that's the fun of this is serving those past spiders like that's and uh, trying to at least give them each a piece sadly if some for some of them it's death and we tried to do those in fun ways of ones that weren't actual characters or that they didn't really have a story to or if they came in it would be so complicated to try and explain how they'd work with the other characters and how that was where it just wasn't helpful uh, th- those are usually, I think, how Dan entered on, like, you know, who's going to die in these one panel? Who did the, who did the inheritors already get to? Um, but yeah, but we had, we had this huge spreadsheet with lists of who these characters were, where they first appeared, what universe numbers they were from, because the universe numbers was another thing that was utter madness to navigate and try to get. And we mo- we mostly got them right. We had a few slip ups every now and again where we're like, oh, we thought we had that right. We didn't. But even the point of like where, you know, the Marvel Universe is a tapestry that that we and the creators that work on these books come up with mostly on the fly. And not everyone pays such close attention. I know I probably didn't pay. I Before this story, I never paid much attention to universe numbers. And like th- th- there's no like there's no set rules to how to make these universe numbers. There have been some that have used multiple times that we try to clean up. There's some and then sometimes you're just making up. You're like, I just need a number. And you're like, what's the zip code I lived at when I was a kid? Like, you know, like, what's the like what are these things? So sometimes you had a year that the character was created, such as the the animated Spider-Man um like 67 it was i have to look at this again uh but it was it's it's just such madness and just trying to bring all these disparate characters together is is so crazy i mean like you said there's the moon spider-man then we get the inheritors uh then we're mostly in the marvel universe in 616 but until the uh, like spider ham was one that dan was like he is going to be a central character (laughs) i'm gonna die on that hill if i don't get these three moments that i'm gonna get and i was like all right man go and he was absolutely right and you know like like, there was oh oh fun story so we're we're we're, i'm looking through amazing spider-man number nine right here 
one of the first ones we meet is Billy Braddock, Spider UK. This is another one that Dan was like, I'm going to create this new character. He's very important to me because uh, he loves, you know, uh, uh, Captain Britain and the Captain Britain Corps. Um, funny story here. So he turned in the script. He's like, you know, this is this is Spider UK. This is Billy Braddock. He's a member of the Captain Britain Corps. And Olivier turned in this page. And when he turned in the page, it was a spider character with spikes, like studded spikes in his head, uh, uh, a sleeveless, a, a torn off sleeve jean jacket with a Union Jack on his back, uh, like a cool belt and, and, and these cool boots and stuff like that. We're like that. I think I think it was a loss in translation moment or something like that. Where I'm like, Olivia, that's supposed to be like a, a, a Captain Britain uh, Spider-Man is like, yeah, Britain, like UK. Like, so I looked at the Clash, and I was like, you know, that'd be so cool. Like, <laughs> like, the UK to him is the Clash, you know. And like, like, oh no, you, you, you wonderful, beautiful man. No, that, that's not what we're going for here. But like, but like, but we promise you, this character that you drew, that you designed so lovingly, will show up and be a big part of this. He's like, okay, okay, I'll redraw, I'll make your patch. I'm like, yeah, as soon as you get home from the discotheque, call back, uh, make that patch for me. Um, and, uh, and he passion did this great design of then spider punk as he's now known entered into the, into the story at the very end of this issue or very, yeah, very end of this issue as part of superior Spider-Man's team. Uh, and then we, then we'll get to him and how, what an awesome character how that Hobie Brown is too. Um, I, I never at, heard that origin story. That's so great. You know, uh, just cause Olivia, now he's a hot toy. Uh, that's coming out soon. Like that, that is Spider Punk. He's part of Web Warriors. Uh, I, I I don't. I mean, I have no inside information on any Spider Verse movie stuff. So that like, uh, I hope that he shows up in one of those. Again, it's it, this is a dream as someone who loves that character, but I I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it, and the the people that Dan chose for this, uh, you know, opening scene, you get Spider Man twenty ninety nine, who's already in the present, but you get uh, Spider UK, you get Mayday Parker entering in and we did some prequel stuff with her in the edge of spider verse issues spider ham and then of course you go over to scarlet spider and you get to devin lewis's favorite spider costume ever which we called old man spider who made i think his first appearance in amazing spider-man 500 but it's the coolest john romita jr designed suit uh it was so fun to include in here and then you meet spider gwen and, and this issue too, like there's so much packed into this first insane issue. Uh, uh, you're you're, you're jumping sorry. ahead a little bit I'm because so you're getting so excited, which I love. I'm just so but excited. Something you brought up uh, just a, a couple of minutes ago dives right into my last two sort of preamble questions, which is um, one was, were there any moments or spiders or, or pieces of the story that you, Nick and you, Ellie clashed with Dan over, which, you know, a, a clash with Dan never seems like it's too intense or too crazy. It's more like, ah, flailing around. You'd be uh, surprised. But on top of that, um, you know, how much of the like minutia did Dan know he wanted to include before getting into the writing of the thing? Because as I'm, I was reading towards the end, there's the moment with the pig in the blanket line toward that seemed like <laughs> Dan was like, okay, um, this is my plot and I have to have pig in a blanket for this bit right at the end. Absolutely. That was, I, if, if I had to remember and guess, that was pretty much his most important piece of this entire story. <laughs> Uh, 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 to, to be completely honest, I, I, I really believe that's true. Uh, I mean, Ellie, do you, is there anything that jumps to mind for you first? Um, yeah. So the thing about Dan is that in addition to being one of the greatest Spider-Man writers of all time, he's also one of the biggest Spider-Man fans of all time. So we were also dealing with the amount of minutia and continuity that Dan just had in his head. And um, I remember very specifically having a conversation with him about Mayday Parker and about the fact that, you know, her hair had been different when last we saw her and, you know, she had a boyfriend when last we saw her. And how was he going to account for these two things? And I remember very specifically saying to him, Dan, sometimes women cut their hair and their boyfriends aren't around. Like, just, just, just tell the story. Just, just go. And so, you yep. know, that's I wouldn't call it a dispute. But that's the kind of disputes we'd have with Dan are just like, OK, these details are less important. <laughs> Let's just get where we're going. And, and the biggest disagreement I can remember having with Dan along the whole way was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a Spider-Man fan, not nearly on the level of, of he is. I, but I his Amazing Spider-Man run was one that I read as it came out. And 
Uh, and I remember he, at one point in the story, he wanted a whole bit of this, uh, the, uh, a scene with, with Peter teaching all the other spiders, spider foo. If you recall, there's a Shang-Chi story where yes. he and Peter and his mates learned this new form of Kung Fu called spider foo. And, and to which I remember reading the outline, his outline issue and, and being like, Dan, this it's one step too far. It's one step too far. Like, like Peter teaching this class of spider food. Like, and then you have to explain what that is and how he's teaching. And like, uh, we don't, people want to see Spider-Man stuff here. Like, like it's, this is not important to your story. Like, let it go. And I, and I, it was like one of those that I'm like, I no, we're, we're, we're not doing this. And I'm, he's probably (laughs) mad at me to this day for it. (laughs) Uh, Let's also be clear that Spider-Foo was a two page backup story in um, (laughs) Spider Island. So, like let's let's <laughs> it was definitely an idea near and dear to his heart though oh my god the, my, the it was like an, an hour or two of my life that i'll never get back uh <laughs> but it was worth it for this story that i that i love just like that man dance lot that i love another thing to acknowledge about dan's process though is that he expects you to fight with him. He wants you to fight with him. That's why he's calling five different people to, you know, have them kick the tires of every story and, you know, make sure it's the best it can possibly be. Um, I on I think my third day of assistant editor on Spider-Man um, and my 15th call from Dan Slott, uh, he called and he was like, you're being too nice to me. I know you're Southern, but you need to stop. You need to yell. We need to have a very different sort of relationship if this is going to work. And he was ex- and he was exactly right. And after we had that conversation, I was able to have real talk with Dan for the four years that followed. And it, it was great. <laughs> But him having that self-awareness to know that's what he needs is essential because every writer and editor relationship is different. And it really is a matter of finding what is the most effective language for this relationship to have. That's such a cool element that that I I think about so much of the time being in awe of of what uh, you 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 do and have done as editors um uh that that like specific nurturing of different relationships knowing how to um you know push people in the right ways is is that kind of you know people management is such a fascinating element of it that is entirely kind of outside the the realm of just like pure storytelling in and of itself um i'm i'm curious for both of you at what point because you know, we, we, we all know that, that making comics is a mad scramble. It's such a grind every single day and you're really in the trenches all the time. At what point did you, Nick and Ellie, realize that you had something special going on here? Was it in the middle of the making of it? Was it after the release of the first issue? Was it when it was completely done? Was it years later? When, when did that really click with you? I mean, you knew it was a special story for out of the gates to some extent in that, like when we talked about it in the room, it, people were like, oh, that is a really cool story. And it's so ambitious. I mean, when once the first issue is coming out, like even before that, it is such a mad dash that it's hard to have any of this, that kind of perspective on it. I mean, you're just lucky to to get it out and survive to live to put out another issue uh, some of those times. And, and, and some issues are harder than others. Uh, but you, especially with something like this, where it's so multifaceted and multi-layered, like, like I was saying, you know, looking back on it, there the choice. I'm like, ah, I kind of wish I hadn't done that, or I wish I would have done a story about this instead, or done this. But it's the kind of thing, like, like you're in the trench and you need to make some split-second decisions to to just get some stuff done. Um, but you know, as soon as the the announcement was made, again, so much of this was done by Ellie and and Stephen Wacker. You know, in setting up this story, you know, uh, I came into it rather on the rather late side, um, but it was it was just a really fun, different story that that had its own things that w- that that kind of stood on its own. And I think things like the like Spider Gwen and Spider and and Spider Ham. I mean, once they announced into the Spider Verse movie too, I was like, oh, that was like it, it hit a different level for me. Uh, and then once that came out and we saw how good it was, it hit a whole whole different level. Um, 
but like, it, yeah, it, it was just such a special story. And there are several times where a page would come in with art or with a script that would delight me, like in, in little bits and pieces, like the cowboy Spider-Man um, and like whose horse was also spider powered and could, could run up walls. Uh, like little bits that would just be like, this is so fun and this is so special. And, and, and trying to remind myself, just get out of the way and remember what the story is. And, and let's all just get out of the way of the story and let it be what it is. And don't sweat some of the stuff. Um, it's just super fun. One of the crazy things about comics is to some extent, you always have to top yourself. So for Dan coming off of Superior Spider-Man to say, okay, where do we go from here? And, you know, he he had a very specific idea in mind that, you know, okay, we've done Spider Island, we've done Ends of the Earth, now we're going to do the multiverse, you know, just that we're, we're getting bigger each time. Um, and I think that, you know, you have to hold in your head at the same time the fact that this has to be the biggest comic ever because, you know, otherwise, why do this? And at the same time, it's a Tuesday and the work needs to get done and that you're just constantly trying to hold both of those realities in your head at the same time. But we started on this way earlier than you normally would just because it was going to be such a big project with so many pieces um and so yeah we we knew how big this was going to be you don't always know what the reception is going to be but you know how big you're trying to make it okay 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 we've talked about so much stuff here so many big picture ideas i'm gonna hit pause on this right now um, and because this conversation has been so excellent, guess what? I think we should come back next week and dive into the issues proper with a part two with Nick and Ellie. So uh, thank you both, Nick and Ellie. And for the listeners, we'll see you next week for more Spider-Verse action. No, wait, sorry. Not what I meant. I meant Spider-Verse action. That's a wrap for this big mammoth episode of Marvel's Pull List, which was produced by Ryan Panagos, Tucker Marcus, Jorge Estrada, and MR Daniel. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton, he was originally supposed to be the other, but when he turned mm. into the giant spider, he was just too scary, too gross. So they dumped him back in his native universe, and that's why they went with Kane. <laughs> I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe.